0: Good Risings, I'm Jackie.
1: And I'm Brian.
0: And this is Grateful Grains. Welcome back. This week, we're exploring cutting-edge advancements that have the potential to change the trajectory of human life. We got it started yesterday with reversing age. Today, we're looking at extinct species.
1: An ambitious breeding program in hopes of revitalizing the northern white rhino led to the birth of just four. Four. The last remaining male, Sudan, died in 2018. There are now only two northern white rhinos remaining in existence, both female, and both born through in vitro. Without a male, the species is functionally extinct. Conservationists are now turning to artificial reproduction. Using the sperm and eggs of northern white rhinos collected over the course of the last 50 years, there's hope that a new generation of white rhinos might be born through surrogacy. But it's a long shot.
0: We're living through Earth's sixth mass extinction period. The Holocene extinction closely correlates with human activity. Hunting, deforestation, pollution, climate change, and the other side effects of human expansion has led to a loss close to 7% of all species on the planet. Every day, between 30 and 150 species of animals die out for good a thousand times faster than before humans became the dominant species on Earth. We can't possibly know what we've lost alongside these species. Besides biodiversity, solutions to the world's most pressing issues, and potentially cures for diseases. Stephanie Simon explores a vast array of life sciences on her YouTube channel, Real Science. She presents three options currently being explored to bring species back from extinction. Genome sequencing, genetic engineering, and cloning.
1: She explains backbreeding is a process where lost traits are bred back into living species through selective breeding. In essence, converting an existing species back into its previous form. She provides the example of the South African quagga. Quaggas and zebras are similar, but where zebras are covered in stripes, quaggas only have stripes on the front half of their bodies. Quaggas also have brown coloring on their rear. To begin recreating the quagga, scientists select individual zebras that express the same or very similar traits to the extinct species. Zebras with fewer stripes on the back half of their bodies, or zebras with more brown coloring on their back half. They're bred, and any offspring that inherit the desired traits will be bred again, hopefully producing a new generation that carry a mix of extinct species traits. This process needs to be repeated until the resulting animal is as close to the extinct species as possible. Genome sequencing and in vitro fertilization can help breeders be more selective about what gets passed on.
0: Next, cloning. Simon explains clones are exact genetic replicas of another organism and arise all the time in nature. Bacteria clone themselves as a means of reproduction, and identical twins are technically clones of each other. But cloning can also be done in a lab. We've cloned lots of animals, including sheep, buffalo, dogs, and camels. But how might we use cloning to bring back a long-dead species?
1: She continues, The most reliable method is likely SCNT, somatic cell nuclear transfer. This is the method pioneered by the creators of Dolly the Sheep, the first cloned mammal. Surprisingly, scientists have already begun to attempt this method with extinct species. In 1999, researchers captured the last surviving Pyrenean ibex, a female named Celia. They obtained skin biopsies and froze the tissue in liquid nitrogen. Then, in 2009, those skin cells were used to clone Celia in the first ever case of actual de extinction. The nuclei from the frozen skin cells were removed and injected into donor eggs taken from domestic goats, which had their own nuclei removed. By adding chemicals and using a jolt of electricity, the process of embryonic development was started. After a few days of growth in the lab, the embryos were implanted into a surrogate mother, either a Spanish Ibex or an Ibex goat hybrid. The resulting fetuses had exactly the same DNA as the extinct animal. Of the 208 embryos the researchers implanted, only seven pregnancies resulted, and just one ibex made it to term. Still, this was a huge accomplishment, the first ever extinct animal brought back into existence.
0: But scientists have their sights set on an even loftier goal, de-extincting one of the greatest megafauna of all time, the woolly mammoth. Simon explains, in 2019, a major breakthrough in the effort to bring back this incredible animal occurred when a team in Japan successfully transferred the nucleus from a frozen mammoth cell into the egg of a mouse. The nucleus came from a 28,000-year-old preserved mammoth named Yuka. The goal of the experiment was not to create some kind of mammoth-mouse hybrid. It was to see if the ancient DNA had the potential to be reawakened. Could the cellular machinery in a mouse egg fix the damaged parts of a mammoth DNA and kickstart the DNA replication necessary for embryonic development? If it could, that would suggest there is a potential for harvesting preserved mammoth DNA to be brought back to life through cloning.
1: The mouse cell machinery did manage to fix some parts of the damaged DNA. And there were some very early signs of the mechanics that underpin DNA replication. But ultimately, the mouse egg could only do so much. The mammoth DNA was too badly damaged, and so it's nearly impossible to reconstitute it enough to actually bring it back to life. So, for now, cloning a mammoth is still a far-off dream. But research like this adds to the field of knowledge that might get us there one day.
0: The final option currently at our disposal has elements of backbreeding and cloning. A new genetic engineering technology known as CRISPR-Cas9, it's sort of a molecular scissor that can cut DNA at a pre-programmed position. It means that strands of DNA can be added, removed, or edited at specific points we could insert genes from an extinct animal into the DNA of a close relative, creating a hybrid with the phenotype, the physical attributes of the extinct species.
1: Simon explains that to do this, we'd first need to sequence the extinct animal genome. If we have preserved DNA, for example, from mammoth tissue in the permafrost, we can use genome sequencing to work out its entire genetic code, and use tests to work out which genes are linked to the phenotype of the extinct species. If we then compare the extinct species genetic code to that of its closest living relative, we could work out where they differ. Finally, we could copy and paste the genes we want from the existing animal into the host animal's DNA. Researchers at Harvard University are trying to use this CRISPR technology to splice mammoth genes into Asian elephant DNA but it's a monumental task. There are around 1.4 million known gene mutations separating mammoths and Asian elephants. And not all of the mutations will relate to the mammoth phenotype. It will take a long while yet to work out which mammoth genes need to be swapped into elephant DNA to recreate a woolly mammoth. But the idea may be the most promising yet, and one day we may just see the first baby mammoth to live in 10,000 years.
0: Of course, there are all kinds of moral questions we're left to ponder along the way. Are we playing God? Should we be interjecting in the unfolding of nature? Or have we already done that for the worse? If humans were responsible for the extinction of a species, do we have a moral obligation to revive it?
1: Thanks so much for joining us on Grateful Grains. You can find us on Instagram at Good Risings, or you can find me at B McMuffin.
0: And you can find me at Jacqueline M. Wood underscore one. We'll be back again tomorrow for day three of our week on the cutting edge. Until then, remember, a better tomorrow starts with today.
1: Good Risings is presented by Cavalry Audio.